Before we enter into the Word of God, we always enter into prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you have given us your Word, which is forever settled, Lord. And Father God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is our teacher, is our comforter and our helper, Lord. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes, that you would open our ears so that we can hear this message that is from your heart for our hearts, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would create in us a clean heart and let the words of our lips and the meditation of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. Heavenly Father, you are the creator of our hearts. You are the one who brings uncorruptible seed. You, your truth never changes. Your word never changes. And your word is a lamp and a light to us, Lord. It gives us guidance and direction. And Father God, I pray that through this series, that you would reveal to us what it is you would have us understand about our hearts, our, our cardiovascular and respiratory systems of our spiritual man, that, Lord, as your blood cleanses us and that as your Holy Spirit gives breath into our lives, it quickens us, Lord, and you make us anew. So, Lord, I pray that you give us a clean heart so that we can serve and honor you as ambassadors and as stewards for you in this world, this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So today we start a new series, Create in Me a Clean Heart, O God. This is the first session. And we're looking at the state of our hearts, the state of the design of our hearts, um, and with everything. We start with these wonderful scriptures from Timothy. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, Paul writes to Timothy and says, All scripture is God-breathed, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfected, thoroughly furnished to every good work. Every single word is your breath and is breathed by inspiration of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Your word did not come to the minds of men, but was inspired by your Holy Spirit. And it is profitable for doctrine on what we believe, what the foundation of your truth is, not our truth, and for reproof to bring correction, to bring conviction, to show us how to live our lives, to show what we are doing wrong and how to correct it biblically in love, and then to instruct us and in how to walk in righteousness so that we may be perfected. Lord, your work with each one of us, you have a recipe for us, and you are always busy every single day to grow us up in maturity in our spiritual inner man and woman and to thoroughly furnish 
our house, this body, this spirit that you have given us. Just as a woman will do all the decor in the house and furnish, you know, bring all the color and, you know, bring all the accessories, Lord. Lord, you give us, you equip us, you give us the tools. Um, you give us everything that we need to do every single good work, uh, not in, in our own eyes, but in your eyes, Lord, and to prove what your perfect will is for your life, for our lives, Lord. So I thank you for this scripture and that you remind us that every single word in your Bible is complete truth and we can depend upon it. And you revealed this to Solomon in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs 23, verse 7. It says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. This is the Trinity that you are after, Lord. Being a Christian is not an intellectual exercise. So it starts with our thoughts in our mind, and it goes into our hearts. And as we are in our hearts, so we speak. And he goes on to say, Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. So, as we are in our hearts, it shows our relationship with you. It shows our intimacy with you. That our thoughts and our hearts line up to your will, Lord. And in the book of Isaiah 29 verse 13 it says, And Jehovah said, Because this people draw near to me with their mouth, and with their lips honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear towards me is taught by the commandment of men. This scripture was also quoted by Jesus to the Pharisees. Um, when he talks about the woes of religion and talks about the the trappings of commandments of men instead of the word of God being our compass, our roadmap, our guidebook, that it's easy to say with our lips and with our mouths that we honor you, but our heart needs to be lined up to your word, Lord. And this is the traditions and the practices and the rituals and going through the commotion, going through the motions. It's the comfortableness. Lord, you stir our hearts to, to make us uncomfortable. And the walk as a Christian is a walk full of challenges. But we know that, Lord, you are always busy with us and that you want our hearts to be draw close to you not just with our lips and not just with what we hear but what we do lord and its actions and in jeremiah says he says this is what the lord says cursed is the person who trusts in mankind who makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the desert, and he won't see when, God, when good comes. 
He will dwell in parched places in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitants. This is so true when he reveals this to Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet at the time when the nation was about to go into exile and to be led into captivity into Babylon. And he warns us that we are not to place our trust in mankind and not to make our strength in our own flesh, but that we need to turn our heart to the Lord, not away from that, not away from you. And this is many systems in this world we place our dependence on, we place our dependence on, you know, our education, our politicians, um, our financial systems. But at the end of the day, it is the Lord's will that will be done. And it's as a believer that we need to place our trust in you, in, in God, and that it's not in our own strength, but it's in your strength. And that it's your heart that we seek. And in, Jeremiah continues to say, Blessed is the person who trusts in the Lord, making the Lord his trust. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by a stream. He won't fear when the heat comes, and his leaves will be green. In a year of drought, he won't be concerned nor will he stop producing fruit. The heart is more deceitful than anything. It is incurable. Who can know it? I am the Lord who searches the heart, who tests the inner depths to give to each person according to what he deserves, according to the fruit of his deeds. So true that a man who depends on the Lord is like a tree who is planted by the river of life, the living water, and that will never be concerned of famine or drought, and that he will continue to produce fruit daily, fresh fruit. And the Lord searches our hearts. He tests our innermost being. And his word also promises us that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And the fruit of our deeds is not about the fruit alone of the Holy Spirit. It's about the fruit of a tree. Every tree that has good roots will produce good fruit. Every tree that has corrupted roots will produce corrupted fruit. As Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruit. And a thorn tree cannot produce figs. Just like an apple tree will never produce anything but apples. It will produce apples. So the fruit of our lives needs to line up with our root structure, which is found in the Word of God 
and the roots should be drinking from the living water, the living word of God. And many of us get into a situation where we feel, are we disconnected? Are we disconnected spiritually? Are we disconnected mentally, emotionally? You know, our brain is wanting and our mind is wanting to do one thing and our heart is wanting to do another. And what we say and what we do, it's like we're stuck in an endless loop. You know, in my days of computer programming, you know, we would call it an endless loop where you would have a, a, a flawed view or a flawed statement. You know, you'd have a conditional statement say, if this condition is true, then this is the action. But if your, your question or your presupposition was incorrect or your assumption was incorrect, the outcome would never be met. And that program will just continue in that loop and it would like hang or it would crash. So when we are disconnected it's about lining up you know our hearts our souls our minds and our strength as it says in the first commandment so for those of us who are feeling disconnected let us look at the reasons why we feel disconnected and this is interesting this came in the prayer room, uh, the Lord revealed to me what the supernatural cardiovascular and respiratory system of the spiritual believer is. And if we take the simple architecture and simple structure of our heart and we look at the heart chambers and the valves, our heart is composed of four different chambers. There are basically two pumps you know, uh, on the left and on the right. And so the way our hearts operate is that the blood, or the oxygen depleted blood, enters into the right atrium, which is the top chamber of the heart and then exits through the valve it gets pumped into the right ventricle which which then goes into our lungs which then cleanses out all the impurities and replenishes the blood with oxygen and that oxygen rich blood then comes back from the lungs into the left pump so into the left upper chamber, which is then pumped down into the left ventricle, and that is then pumped into the body and gives the body that restored, rejuvenated blood. And this is our physical operation, but we can apply this in a spiritual sense to our spiritual spirits and souls within us 
the spiritual man and the spiritual woman. God is looking for a righteous heart. And he wants, and with his right hand, who is Jesus? Because where does Jesus sit? He's at the right hand of the Father. That we are to pursue wisdom and not riches. And Solomon, the wisest man, which the Bible calls of all time, in Ecclesiastes writes his word. It says, A man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. Jesus is at the right hand of God. Jesus is the right hand and the strength of God. And yes, also, in the way a fool work, walks, his heart fails, and he says to all that he is a fool. Many of us are drawing our strength from the wrong part of our lives. We're trying to do it our own way. And we pursue not the right hand of God or God's way or God's wisdom, but we try and pursue men's wisdom and men's truth. And this is about being in pursuit of God's wisdom and God's righteousness. And in Proverbs 3, he says, Blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gets understanding. For the profit from it is better than the gain from silver and its produce more than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you can desire are not to be compared with her. The length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand is riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone who keeps her. Jehovah has founded the earth by wisdom, by understanding he has founded the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. And here Solomon is comparing the wisdom of God and the understanding of God to be more precious and more profitable than the most precious metals that can be mined in this earth, whether it be gold or silver, or whether it be precious jewels. And they cannot be compared. Because we're talking about eternal wisdom. Wisdom that never ends. And wisdom that was from the beginning. The earth was founded by wisdom. The heavens were founded by understanding. So if we look at David, he understood this. One of the most incredible psalms in the book was... Psalm chapter 51 and David wrote this psalm in repentance as he realized the sin his sin against Bathsheba where he saw her and he desired her but he she was already married to another man so he sent her husband into the front lines of a battle knowing 
that he wouldn't survive because he had desired her. And so when he was convicted and it was revealed to him the nature of his sin, David wrote this psalm. And he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Our body, or the flesh, is the seed, is the soil. And our hearts are the, the garden. Now the good seed, which is the word of God, is the uncorrupted seed. And the evil seed, which are the lies from the devil, which are the fallen nature, the flesh, the body, are corrupted. So God needs to give us a new heart, a restored heart, a heart that is sensitive to him, that has uncorrupted seed in it. So as he then gives us that uncorrupted seed and removes the, the corrupted, the evil seed from our lives, this purification process, and this is through the new covenant that Jesus brought. Because he says, my blood is the propitiation for your, sin, for your sins. That every single sin, past, present and future, has been paid for. And once we come to a place of repentance and we become born again of the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit breathes life into us. He quickens our spirit. So, he removes that evil seed. He purifies and he removes that evil spirit that is within us. Jeremiah says the heart of a man is incurable. But the cure and the remedy is Jesus. It's only to be found in Jesus. Jesus the way, the truth and the life. And he is at the right hand of God. So, as Jesus' blood is poured over into our hearts, so as the corrupted seed, the corrupted blood, enters into the right chambers of our heart, and then down is pumped into the lungs, Jesus purifies that blood. He washes our sins whiter than the snow, and the Holy Spirit breathes his breath into our lungs. And it's this breath that is then entered back into our lungs and pumped out into the rest of our spiritual body. So the heart is the soil. It's our soul. So there are two pumps. There's one in and one out. And there are four chambers in our heart. Just like there are four Gospels. But one message, one Savior, one Messiah, Jesus, and one heart. And there are four internal valves, which are doors inside the heart. Which allow the blood to be pumped freely. And if there are blockages in our heart, we are not able to operate 
not only physically we become sick, but spiritually this applies too. And if we look at the structure of the heart, this is incredible. The word kardos, which is the Greek word for a heart, means a hinge or a door. And this is where we get the word cardiology from, or cardia. Now, cardia refers to the heart, and the ology, or which is, ologia is the study thereof. So, cardiology is the study of the heart. And the cardos are the hinges, which are the hinges of a door. So, we have the two right chambers, which takes out that that impurified corrupted blood of our bodies pumps it into our heart and then out into the lungs Jesus the right hand of God and then we have two veins which take the oxygen depleted blood from the upper and the lower body this is incredible. The upper, the lower body represents the flesh, Adam, the corrupted seed. The upper body represents the purified, the uncorrupted, Jesus. So he takes this blood and then those two arteries pump the blood into the lungs and they remove the carbon dioxide, they replace it with oxygen. The Holy Spirit breathes life into not only our blood, but into our, our spiritual system, our spiritual respiratory system. And then it's pumped into the two left chambers that comes out of the lungs, which is the oxygen rich, the life giving the quickened blood into the heart and out into the body. And this is the spiritual cleansing blood for the inner man and woman. There are four pulmonary veins. There are two in the left lung and two that come from the right lung that pump into the left chamber. Numbers are very significant. We have two being the old covenant and the New Covenant, the Old Testament, and the New Testament. So if we look, there are three aortas, which then pump the blood back into the body. So there are three big arteries, which pump the blood through the body. The triune God. God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son. And in Leviticus 17.11, it says it very clearly. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you in the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. This altar is our hearts. The Lord is after our hearts. He wants to, to give us a new heart and give us a new life and a more excellent way of living. And this 
is the vibrancy. This is the zeal. This is the quickening of our spirits. This is the flame that God wants to set our hearts on fire for Him. The enthusiasm, the burning flame, the lamp that doesn't go out. It's like those bridesmaids, they carried their lamp and it's full of oil. That oil is replenished. And this is the replenishing. So with the blood of Jesus and the word of God. Because what does it say? We are washed by the water of the word. This is the cleansing, the purification. We have the Holy Spirit which gives breath into us. To revive us. To restore us back into a relationship with him. And in Psalm 19 verse 14, David says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Jehovah, my rock and my redeemer. Jesus is our rock, a rock not made by human hands, a rock that is immovable, unshakable. And David understood this. David knew this. That his house it was built upon the rock. He knew that his life, he would not waver. That whatever storm came, that he knew that his foundation was solid and sure. And he says in Psalm 10, Jehovah, you have heard the desire of the humble, and you will prepare their heart, and you will cause your ear to hear. So God is in the business of preparing our hearts, opening our ears, so that we may hear what He says to us, so that His words go into the heart. Because what? Faith comes from hearing the Word of God. So if we just look at this graphic, the thoughts and intentions of the heart, they can be a blessing or a curse. In Proverbs 20, verse 5, it says, Wisdom in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Every one of us has a well, and we need to drink from this well. And in Jesus, this well is never-ending. This well is so deep and it grows deeper as our relationship and our wisdom and understanding of God grows. And as we grow, and this is the life-giving water, this is the living water that we drink of and that replenishes our hearts. But in Proverbs there's also a warning. In Proverbs 18 it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it shall eat the fruit of it. So here, the Bible is referring to the words that we speak as being fruit from our lips. And that the Bible also says that the power of the tongue has the power to bring a blessing or a curse. So we can either bless with life, with the wisdom of God, 
or we can even curse with death, with the folly of the wisdom of men and bring death into our souls. And this is why the book of Proverbs, it's actually a study of two women, the woman of wisdom and the woman of folly. And the woman of wisdom, her ways lead to eternal life. And the woman of folly, her ways lead into the belly of Sheol, which is the pit of hell, as it is said, called in the Hebrew text. And we, the more you read the book of Proverbs, the more you realize how important it is about the words that we speak and that these words are the fruit of our lives. So as a man thinks in his heart and as he speaks, so what he speaks, he can speak life or he can speak death. He can speak good fruit or he can speak bad fruit. And the book of Proverbs warns us that we need to put a guard on our lips. We need to put a watch on our mouth. We need to be careful about what we say. And that many times is compared to a person who is a fool, who is void or lacking of understanding, will be full of vain babblings. But the person whose heart is full of wisdom is prudent, is wise, is selective in the words that he or she speaks. Now in Psalm 13, sorry, Psalm 17, David says, You have proved my heart. You have visited me in the night and you have tried me and you will find nothing. My thoughts do not pass beyond my mouth. It's not the thought itself. It's the words. It's the action, what we say. And what we say needs to line up with our heart. And God searches us while we sleep through the night. And he searches our thoughts. And he gives us the words. He proves our hearts. And that if we are in a, a, a right relationship with him. That God will give us wise words to say. He will give us the wisdom and the guidance. And that he will try us. He will try our hearts and prove them. And he will find nothing wrong with them. And that the thoughts, the evil thoughts that the enemy tries to place in our minds. And that come from the minds of our flesh. Do not pass beyond our mouth. Because the word of God is a watch over our lips. And David continues this in Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if any wicked way is in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You see, this is a process. I mean, David was a herdsman. He was a shepherd's boy in the field. He was not an educated man. But yet, he sought God. And God revealed him to himself revealed himself to him in such incredible ways, and that he became anointed 
as the king of Israel, as the king of the nation. And God made a covenant with him that through his seed and through his lineage, the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus, will come. And this is a process. So it starts with searching. So just like God searches us, we as believers are to search ourselves. So he searches first, number one. He knows our heart, number two. He tries our hearts, number three. He knows our thoughts, number four. And he sees if there be any wicked way. And this is the promise of God, that if we submit and yield, surrender to this process, that he will lead us in the way everlasting. And this is Jesus. He is the only way. So what defiles a person? And Jesus answers us these answers these questions in Mark chap, chapter seven verse fourteen. He says, "Then he called the crowd again and told them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand: nothing that goes into a person from outside can make him unclean. It's what comes out of a person that makes a person unclean." And he says here, "If anyone has ears to hear." Let him listen. This is very interesting. This phrase is used by Jesus 14 times in the Bible. He uses it in Revelations 2 and 3 when he's, the, when he's speaking to his church in the letters to the seven churches. He says, let him who has an ear, let him hear. And he says it here again. He says, let he, he who has ears, let him listen. And he carries on. He says, he asked them, are you so ignorant? Don't you know that nothing that goes into a person from outside can make him unclean? Because it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, into his belly. And it is expelled as waste. And in the King James, it says it's, it, it goes into the privy, which is a toilet. So what goes into the belly, and it's just, you know, the King James doesn't mince his words, and neither did Jesus. And Jesus says, he continued, he said, it is what comes out of a person that makes a person unclean, because it's from within from the human whole heart that evil thoughts come, as well as sexual immorality, stealing, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, cheating, shameless lust, envy, slander, arrogance, and foolishness. Here Jesus is listing the evil thoughts that come from a man's fleshly heart. And Paul also nails this again when he talks about the fruit of the flesh. He lists these same things as being the fruit of the flesh. And then he goes on to list the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is saying 
This is what comes from the human heart. And he says all these things come from inside and make a person unclean. These are the things that make a person unclean. Not the food that we eat, but the fruit of our lips from the thoughts of, of our hearts. These, these incurable human hearts which Jesus wants to come and restore. So as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23 verse 7, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Once again. And then Jesus says in Luke 6, verse 43 to 45, He says, For a good tree does not bring forth corrupt fruit, neither does a corrupt tree Bring forth good fruit. He needs to change our root structure. He needs, he needs to change our roots. He needs to give us good seed. So that we can produce good fruit. And that if we have good roots. Because he says, For every tree is known by its fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns. Nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth the good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth the evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Jesus nails this so perfectly, so simply, in his wisdom. That out of the treasure of a man's heart come the fruit of his lips. And that we shall know them by his fruit. So what diet are we in? <laughs> what diet of the heart are we in? Are we in the heart or the belly? This is a beautiful cartoon. It says, I'm starving. Why won't you feed me? And the brain is saying, I am. It's just less than you're used to. And the stomach is saying, well, it's torture and it's probably illegal. The brain says, well, there's nothing illegal about a diet. We just need to lose some weight. <laughs> and the stomach is calls on the phone. Hello, the cops. Yeah, I'd like to report a case of neglect. And the brain says, hang up. And this is so true. If we take the heart out of the equation... And we are driven by our cravings of our stomach. And so Jesus goes on to say more again about what's defiling a man. And this is in the King James Version. And saying that, yeah, saying it goes into the waste bowl is what the King James says. And from out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murderers, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lavishness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride and foolishness. And all these things pass out from inside that defile a man. But God says here, and, and he revealed this to Paul, and Paul says this in the book of Romans. Faith comes from hearing the word. Then faith is of hearing. 
in chapter 10, and hearing by the word of God. And in Romans chapter 8, Paul says, For, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what anyone sees, why does he also hope for it? But if we hope for which we do not see, then we wait for it in patience. And in Hebrews 11, is the hall of faith. The writer of Hebrews says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. This is an incredible chapter in the Bible. And you know that not one person in this chapter, not one of them, had a Bible put between them. But yet it was their faith in the promise of God and the hope of the rest of God that they placed and they trusted God. And God accounted this faith and he imputed this as righteousness unto them. And this righteousness was of things that were hoped for, not things that were seen. Faith comes from hearing the word of God, the unchanging, the unwavering, the unending word of God, the unending well of the well of God, because we are washed by the water of the word. So if our faith is in Jesus, our hope is in Jesus, this is not a physical faith or a fleshly faith or a fleshly hope. It is a supernatural faith, a supernatural hope and an eternal hope that our eyes are fixed on eternity, not through experience or in the evidence of things that are seen on that are around us. And I did this, this little graphic here, just to explain what defiles a person. So if we start on the right, we look at faith comes from hearing. It enters into our mind. And there we have a decision to make. And if that hearing goes into our belly, then our faith is not, is, 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 is not by, our faith is by sight. It's only usefulness is for the toilet. But if our faith, if the faith, this word of God enters into our heart, into our soul, into our spirit, it will bring much wisdom, bring eternal life and eternal abundant blessings into our lives. But if it stays in the belly, it is folly, it is foolishness, it is vain babblings. And it's a curse on our souls. Because God will use the wisdom of this world. Because to him it is foolishness. He will use the folly of the wise to confound the wise. The foolish things of this world to confound the wisdom of this world. So we do not place our hope in systems and structures of men in, con in, in traditions and commandments of men. 
we place our hope and our faith in our relationship with God. And it's our heart, it's our cardiovascular system, which means our heart, our chambers, the doors in our heart, and the veins which give life-giving blood into our bodies. And our respiratory system, our lungs, which give the oxygen which we breathe in. Because the Holy Spirit gives us breath to restore us spiritually. To give us the strength that we need. So, as our heart beats continuously, we are to continuously understand and hear the word of God we are to study his word we spend so much time on other things as a believer we need to start learning and understanding and listening to the word of God through reading the word of God through prayer through worshiping God this is what gives glory and this is what delights God's heart. And as we delight His heart, He shares His heart and reveals His truth to us. So thank you. And we give you all the glory, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your promises. And we give you all the praise and all glory belongs to you. In Jesus' name, Amen.